All right, y'all. Uh, I grew up in a black Baptist church, and uh, every time my pastor, uh, he's now going to be with the Lord, Reverend Joe, Joe uh, Johnson, would say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us come into the house of the Lord. So with that, I greet you. Uh, matter of fact, uh, just for me, um, I grew up before I started preaching and all this other stuff. Uh, my big brother, uh, Chris Johnson, he's back there in the back. Well, Dr. Chris Johnson, I'm sorry, let me give you your titles. Um, he has a, He's on the Sabbath. And he's here with us today, and I'm so grateful. But before that, I was I was a, a a praiser in the sense of that, like when I got saved, and I switched teams, and I switched my jersey, and I put on Jesus's jersey, and took off the world's jersey. I was like, God won't be the same. And so with that, can we all stand to our feet and magnify our God? Isn't God amazing? Isn't God great? I want to let's start this moment off with with a voice of triumph, and our name is Victory. Can we praise God victoriously, as if Jesus has done something? Can we lift up our voices? Can we lift up our claps and say, God, you are amazing. And God, we take it not for granted that we're underneath your roof and we get the opportunity to triumphantly lift up our voice. Come on, victory. Amen. 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 You all may be seated. Um, uh, thank you for my wife. That's my baby. She hold me down. Um, you know, I'm just really glad to be with you all here today. Um, and we're in a series. Uh, we're in a series called uh, VIP. 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 VIP stands for victory is a proclamation. Victory is a process and victory is a people proclamation process and people and throughout this series what we're what this so it's funny that victory started in prayer and that this series started in a place of prayer for me and so as I was preparing to get to this moment I was like God what is victory not what the name of the church is but the thing that the church is named after what is that and I believe that God is after something here in Charlottesville. And the purpose of this series is to pull back the cover so we can see what God is doing underneath. I want us to be able to lift up the hood of victory and see what God has departed and deposited in and imparted and deposited in us so that we can live out the call that he's called us to here in Charlottesville. Is that okay with y'all? Y'all, y'all, y'all tracking with me? All right, dope. Okay, great. Um, so at a couple moments, as I said, I, I grew up in a, a Baptist church. And so um, if, if, if something is good to you, you know, you can make a stank face like, mm, ooh, like something like somebody just, you know, you know, pass gas or something, you know, a little bit of flatulence like, hmm, oh, yeah, that was good right there. Or, you know, you can stand up, you know, sometimes the old bat, the old men in my church that used to just stand up with the preacher and just look at him like. You could do that, or if someone's good, just say amen. Let me know you're here with me, right? I know that for some of you all are note takers, so if I see your pens moving, I know that you that you heard what I'm saying. Y'all feel me? All right, okay, great, 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 awesome, awesome. For those online, um, uh, 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 put a fire emoji, gunshots, blah, 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 whatever it is, right, to let us know that this is an interactive space, right? This is an interactive space. And so last week, what did we talk about with Victory is a Proclamation? Victory is a proclamation, a public announcement from heaven that there's peace with God, peace within humanity, and peace within the systems. And what we talked about was how Jesus vertically uh, 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 eliminated our hostility with God and he horizontally eliminated our hostility with each other and then surroundingly he eliminated our hostility um, with our government and the systems that keep us from being apart by his death on the cross. 
we ended this, this, this moment with a charge to carry the proclamation of peace to every nook and cranny of Charlottesville until the peace of God rests in this city, until the peace with each other is felt in this city, until there is peaceful equity within the systems of this city. We are to carry the proclamation of peace in our location, our vocation, and our recreation. That's where we work, where we play, and where we chill. We're supposed to carry this proclamation with us. On today, we're going to be talking about victory is a process. Victory is a process, and I want to invite you to come with me. Um, we're going to read our Bibles today. Is that okay? Is that okay? Is that okay? We're going to read our Bibles today. We're going to be in two places of Scripture. We're going to be in Ephesians 2, verses 16 through 18. And I'm reading from the NLT version in this one. So when you find it or you scroll to it, whatever you're doing, put a thumb there. And then we'll also be in Galatians 3. 27 through 29. For the sake of time, I'm only going to read the Ephesians piece. But these are where, this, these are where we'll be. So rise to your feet in honor of God's word, and I will read it to you. Um, as I said, this will be from the NLT version, and the Galatians piece that we'll explore later will be from the ESV. Great. Amen. Let's read. It says, together as one body, this is verse 16 through 18, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. Verse 17 says he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. And verse 18 says now all of us can come to the father through the same Holy Spirit because what Christ has done for us point of focus I want to focus on is verse 16. I had a lot of trouble with verse 16. And verse 16 says, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups um, to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. One more time. Our hostility towards each other was put to death. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for this moment and this time. God, I pray. Um, that your word and who you are will lift you up higher. God, what we know is God is God is for God. And in you being for yourself, you are also for us. So God, I pray that we would magnify and uplift your name on today, that this word will put you higher and we would get smaller that it would put you higher and our differences would grow smaller that we it will put you higher that we would have a god-sized view of you on today and then that would then change the way we live god i'm not mistaken even in my devotion of the day you reminded me that there are some people who are here who are seeking a moment or an encounter that there are still women at the well there are, that there are still women with the issue of blood, that there are still Jarius's who want to, their, their, their children to come back to life, that there are still centurions who are seeking for their servants to be healed. God, I pray that today is more than a word, but it's a moment with you. That people would not see Marcus Anderson, but they would see who you are. That I would be transparent and I take not your glory. So take this water and turn it into wine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. You all may be seated. So let's dive into the text. Uh, we got a couple textual insights from verses 16 through 18 that I want to highlight. Um, 
And so with that, verse 16 talks about how um, it says, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. What is Paul saying here? Paul means that Jesus reconciles and the word reconcile means to restore peaceful relationships. It's funny because the name of the church, the mission of the church is to reconcile people to God and then to each other. So I want to be able to make sure that we know what reconcile means. I want to take it that nobody knows that. I know y'all are smart. Y'all got PhDs and doctorates and masters from name brand universities but you know for me when I got saved I didn't know what none of this meant so I was like okay great I want to make sure that I'll be intentional about how I deliver God's word so reconcile means to restore peaceful relationships or to fix the relationship back to the place it was, it was originally at and so Jesus reconciles God to man through his death on the cross and he also reconciles man to each other and so what happens here is that in joining humanity together, Jesus creates peace by making one family, one people through his death on the cross. And in the process, he destroys our hostility. That's verse 16, verse 17. It gets a little bit better. Um, verse 17 essentially is talking about how Jesus is for everybody. Jesus is for everybody. That it says, and it says he brought the good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and peace to you, Gent to you Jews who were near. So what is the text saying here? This text is saying that no Gentile or sinner is too far from God. No Jew or saint is too near from God that Jesus can't get to. Jesus is for everybody. That's a good place to praise God right there. I, I, I mean, we're going we gonna, to we gonna, don't invite y'all. Jesus preaches this good news of peace to the whole world. And as I was reminded of the hymn, it says, and the blood reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, right? Come on. It will never lose its power. I ain't know why my church mothers used to sing that. They, my mom and my grandma, from moments of memories that I remember, they used to walk around the house, and my mom be cleaning up the house, doing the chores, and she'd be like, and the blood reaches. I'm like, okay, great. What blood? Who blood? My blood? Your blood? Verse 18, let's go. It says, verse 18 is talking about how access has been granted it says now all of us can come to the father through the same holy spirit because of what jesus has done for us since jesus is for everybody anybody can get to god the father through god the son by the power of the holy spirit anybody i don't care what you did who you did who you did it with where you're from where you're at where how you look like anybody can get to god Access has been granted. And so this is what the text is talking about. And, and as I kept reading the text and knowing that we're talking about victory as a process, I just kept coming back to verse 16. I said it a little bit earlier how verse 16 gave me some trouble. And, and, I, and I was like, I'm wrestling with verse 16. I felt like, you know, like Joseph who was wrestling, with, you know what I'm saying, with, 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 with pre-incarnate uh, Jesus. And I'm just wrestling with the text. I'm like, it don't make sense. Let, let's read it. Let's read verse 16. Can I, can I invite you, your ears to go back and, and, and your eyes to go back to verse 16 real quick? You hear me over there, Lon, Lon? You hear me? over there but my brother you hear me all right bet okay great just want to make sure you you hear me um great okay awesome and so with that verse 16 says together as one body christ reconciled both groups by means of his death on the cross and and, and this is the part that gave me some trouble and our hostility with each other was put to death mm. and so 
What we see in the text is that Jesus dies on the cross to reconcile or restore peaceful relationships with God and man, but then he restores peaceful relationships within humanity. Jesus dies to make us one with God and one with each other. But let me tell you why I had some trouble with the text. My online people, y'all tracking with me. I want to tell you why I had some trouble with the text. Um, because if Jesus died to make us one, then why are his followers so okay with not being one? Oh, okay. Y'all don't hear me in here. Okay. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's tight, but it's right. If Jesus death ended our hostility within humanity then why are jesus's people so hostile especially with each other if jesus's death made us one so that we could worship god as one entity called the big c church then why are jesus's little c churches so segregated on our days of worship If Jesus died to bring us together, then why are his people so okay with being separate? If Jesus died to unite humanity, then why can't Jesus' people live in unity? I'm wrestling with the text because I see what Jesus has done, but then I see where we are and there's a difference. It's a difference. As a matter of fact, when I was in college, I remembered that, that there's a book about great leaders and, and Jesus for me, you know, by that time I was, I was, I, I had converted over and I was a Jesus lover, you know what I'm saying? Bible thumper and I was rowdy and, and like, you know, I love Jesus and I let you know, like, and I was a football player. So I was like, yo, what's up? You trying to get saved? Saved from what? From you? Yes, of course. Yeah, sure. And I was like, yo, Jesus, it did an anthology of great leaders. From, from mythology and, and other religions and, and, and naturally in our world. And, and, and I was like, where's Jesus? Because, you know, I'm a Jesus. I'm like, Jesus got to be number one. He's the greatest leader. He sacrificed his life on the cross. He bridged the gap. Jesus was number five. So I took the book to my professor who I knew was a Christian. I was like, yo, hey, doc, what's, what's up with this prophet? I don't, I don't get it. He says this book is rated on the ability of his followers and not his leadership ability. So even then, my mind went back to that moment where Jesus did something amazing that the world should know about, but his followers are not carrying it out. That degrades his ability as a leader. Welcome to the tension in the text and my questions of the text that I've been wrestling with all week. Because if, if Jesus is... is ended our hostility then I don't I don't the church act like it there's a bigger debate over critical race theory than there is on people getting vaccinated so we can worship together we got our priorities mixed up who cares about a theory when people are dying let's even take vaccinations out people are dying going to hell and Christians aren't upset about it there's a spiritual imperative. There's been a spiritual pandemic going on for 2,000 plus years that we have the vaccination to, but we don't want to give it out. <laughs> it's funny. Jesus ended hostility, but why is there so much hostility, especially within the church? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. 
I live from the perspective of Jesus is the head coach. And if, you, if you're not an athlete in here, but, but let me just tell you, when the head coach said something, that means that that's what it was. <laughs> My head coach now can call the team and say, hey, 3 o'clock in the morning, be there. Everybody there, 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> So if Jesus said I ended hostility, then my mind is saying that hostility has been ended. But why can't I, if y'all didn't know, I'm, I'm, I'm a 6'2 black man. Why is it that when I go into houses of worship that don't have people that look like me, I feel uncomfortable? Knowing that we all share the same blood, <laughs> literally. This is the tension that I'm wrestling with in the text. I, I just want to make it clear. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hop off here because I know it's a little bit tight. But I want to make it clear where I've been at all week. And so, this is my question of the text. And, 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 and in that, God, God said something to me. He was like, Marcus, victory is a process. Victory is a process. And what I recognize is that Jesus' death was both an ending, an ending and a beginning. That Jesus' death ended our hostility but began our process of becoming one. Okay, great. Okay, y'all don't understand. Our oneness was one on the cross. Our unity was one on the cross. However, it is a job of believers to stay one. Okay, great. Oh, y'all don't understand. I'm, I'm going to make it plain. Um, when, when, when people get married, there's a, there's a thing that a pastor would usually say or whoever's presiding would say, that what God put together, let no man tear asunder. And so the, 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 the thing here is, is that don't let anybody from the outside of the marriage pull that apart and don't let anybody inside the marriage pull that apart. That if God has put together something, don't break it apart. Leave it alone. Jesus' death brought us together, but it's the job of every believer to stay together. Victory is a process. It's a gradual, continual process of becoming one until oneness is our reality. Ah, okay, oh, okay, okay. Uh, uh, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me make it a little bit more. Uh, that means we stay together. Until Jesus come back. <laughs> that means we preserve our unity until we go home. Jesus made us one, but it's our job to stay one. What God put, it, put together, don't you tear it apart. So what does this mean? This means, just like I talked about my mother on chore day, this is the chore for every believer. Uh, yeah, my mom, when I wake up on Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoons or Sunday mornings, um, especially I was a football player and, uh, and I had games on Friday nights. And, and if you ever met a football player uh, after a game, on, on, uh, they look great on Friday, on Saturday, but watch them when they walk into the facilities on a Saturday or a Sunday. It beaten down, broken down people, right? The coaches is broken down. The players is broken down. I mean, I never felt so many aches and pains on Saturday mornings, and I'm just waking up, and then as soon as I hear um, Mahalia Jackson on the, 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 uh, the, the radio, as soon as I heard Al Green on the radio, as soon as I heard, and my mom wanted to, wanted to appeal to me, she put some Kurt Franklin, you know what I'm saying, on there, you know what I'm saying, do you want a revolution? As soon as I heard, won't revelation chapter eight, nine, and ten, doom, 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 doom. And I'm like, oh, man. 
something in my soul started to creep up because I was like, man, it's time to get up and it's time to clean. My mama didn't care if I played a game last night. <laughs> my mama didn't care what I did last night, but it's Saturday morning, you're going to clean. And me and my twin brother would roll out of our bed, and every time we had a common refrain, we would be like, Mama, why we got to clean? My mom would be like, well, you live here, don't you? So that means you got to clean. I ain't your maid. We family. And what I recognize victory is a process. That means that we're in Jesus' family, so this is what he called us to. That now the, 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 your Kirk Franklin and your Mahalia Jackson and your Al Green is playing, that means it's time to do chores. Time to go to work. This is a job that you're supposed to do. This is why I get frustrated a little bit. I'm going to talk to the people in, 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 right here because I don't want to ignore y'all. Sometimes what I recognize is, is that a lot of Christians tend to believe in God, but there's no action behind their belief. So they'll see the problem of racism. They'll see the problem of separation. And they'll be like, God, I hope you bridge that gap. But what if God is using you to bridge the gap? What if God is using you to be participate in his process to be the answer to the problem that you see? Victory is a process. Victory is a process. And I love the word process. That means because processes don't end. <laughs> victory is a process. So how do we see victory as a process? And turn with me to the Galatians 3, 27 through 29. And I'll say this and then I'll be done. There are three things that we see about victory being a process and because I, I, I know you understand that God has called us to be one. But the question that I often get is, Marcus, how do we become one? I know that we're supposed to be one. But how do we become one? I know we're supposed to be together, but how do we be together? And there are three things in the text, and I'm going to highlight to you, and I'll be done. Three things in the text, I'm going to highlight to you, and I'll be done on today. The first thing. Verse 27 says, for as many of you were baptized into Christ, have to put on Christ. The first process or the first part of the process in becoming one, the first part of the process into making sure we stay together is you got to put on Christ. Everybody say, put on Christ. In the chat, type, put on Christ. Everybody say, put on Christ. A little bit more enthusiasm. Everybody say, put on Christ. Amen. Paul starts off here by talking about baptism, but the point isn't baptism. The point is to put on Christ. So if we want to be together, if we want to stay together, if we want to be able to be, to live in the victory that God has already brought for us, we got to put Christ on. What does it mean to put on Christ? Putting on Christ means seeking to grow into the full unison and union with Christ. It means allowing Christ to inform your decisions and influence your actions. To put on Christ means to make him the central piece of your life, not an addition, but the core. To put on Christ means to have his sentiments, to have his characteristics, to have his opinions, and to have his traits. To put on Christ means that his thoughts are your thoughts, his ways are your ways, what breaks his heart is what breaks your heart putting on Christ means desiring to walk as Christ walked to talk as Christ talked to live as Christ lived scripture says it this way be imitators of God 
put on Christ. Family, I know there are a lot of places and even churches here in Charlottesville that talk about this topic of oneness and being together and bridging gaps in the church. But what I want to be honest with you, because I'm a realist, I like to be honest at different points, is that if Jesus is not in the mix, this will never happen. So if you attempt this with your best white knuckle approach to try and work this out on your own, you will fail every time. Oneness is a gift of the spirit. (laughs) Oneness is something that God does in us, so we need God in order to do it. You can't do this by yourself. Don't get it twisted. You need Jesus in order to love your brother. You need Jesus to participate in the process. You need Jesus. The fact that we're all here together and people are online and more people online watching, that's a miracle. This don't happen everywhere. In most churches, there's a couple of, you know, chocolate brothers and sisters mixed in the mix. And there's a, you know, looks like, you know, like that one Cocoa Puff and a whole thing of kicks. You know what I mean? And in other places, it's, you know, a lot, a lot of Cocoa Puffs and a little thing of kicks. You see what I'm saying? But for it to be equally mixed, that's different. It's a miracle. That's God. And I know that there are more of my vanilla brothers and sisters who will listen to a chocolate brother preach but won't submit to his leadership. That is a miracle that you had a brown pastor here and you followed him. That's a miracle. Family, what I'm saying here is what God is doing here, we need Jesus. So I don't want to take this as a light thing that you hear and you be like, oh, yeah, put on Christ. I get it. No, put Christ on. Wow, this is kind of rough. I just, I felt like I was talking to the guys. I'm sorry. I apologize, family. Let me be a little bit passive. Put my Joel Olsen on. Guys, what I'm saying here is, is that you just want to be sure to love each other and to participate in the process that you need Jesus. I'll tell you a joke about a guy who's on a boat and (sighs) family. In all seriousness, we need Jesus to do this well. We need Jesus to live in victory. Why do we need to put Christ on? Because putting on Christ enables you to love people for who they are and for where they are. One thing I love about Jesus in the text is that he had a propensity to be able to love people regardless of what society said about that person. He didn't bow to the whims of society. He wasn't finagled by what the Pharisees said, what the Sadducee wanted, what the zealots thought that they should have. No, Jesus wasn't bound by society and social impact, so he operated outside of it. And what I believe what God is calling us to as a church is to operate outside of society, to love the unlovable, to walk with the unwalkable, to be able to be with the people who don't want us to be around. That is the gospel, and we need Jesus in order to do it. To love people for who they are and for where they are. As a church, I believe God has called Victory Church to be a place where people belong way before they believe. 
to say, I will walk with you regardless of where you are and who you are and what you believe and what you say. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to love you. And I'm going to lead you to the person who loves me. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who could save anybody. We got to put Christ on, family. We got to put Christ on. We got to put Christ on. We got to put Christ on. That means wear him every day. Jesus is like deodorant. Don't go a day without him. No condemnation if y'all didn't wear deodorant today. How do we put Christ on? Four things we need. One, we need to read our Bible every day. A great bishop that I know said it this way. Read your Bible every day. 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 Somebody asked him, why do you keep saying it that way? He said, because if I say it enough times, hopefully you'll do it. We need God's word. We need more of God's word in us in order to live out God's word. And if you're wondering why you're not living out God's word, are you reading enough of it is my question. Are you applying his truth is my second question. Because you can read it and be like, oh, yeah, that's cool, and never live it out. We got to read God's word. Second thing we need is that we got to pray. First uh, Thessalonians 5 and 16 talks about praying without ceasing. And so we need to not just read God's word, but we need to spend time constantly communicating with God about his word. Not just the one off, but we pray over our food to show that we Christian. <laughs> Talking to the believers in here. If you're an unbeliever, unbeliever watching, Christians pray over their food. <laughs> To show, yeah, I love Jesus. <laughs> but it's more than that. We got to commune with God in prayer. Second thing, I'm way behind schedule. We got to live in community. Hebrews uh, 10, uh, 25 talks about how forsake not the fellowship of the brethren. We got to learn how to, how to be in community with each other. And finally, we got we to gotta confess. James 5, 6 says, confess your sins so that you may be healed. So it's not enough just to live in community and be around with each other, but we got to be willing to open up our hearts and let people in. And how do we do that? Through confession. Have you confessed to a brother or sister in here that don't look like you is my question. Second thing, we got to push past divisions. Push past, push, push past divisions. Verse 28 says it this way, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female. Paul outlines here three major divisions or three major areas where people divide or split over. The first one is Jew or Greek. That is a racial or an ethnic division. The next one that we see is, is, is slave nor free. That is a socioeconomic division. And the last one is male nor female. That is a gender division. And so what Paul, the main idea here, and what Paul is saying here is, he's saying don't allow your race your ethni or ethnicity to influence or inform your Christianity. He's saying don't allow your wealth or your lack of wealth to inform your Christianity. He's saying don't allow your gender to influence your Christianity. Your race, your wealth, your gender does not dictate your Christianity. But your Christianity influences your race, your wealth, and your gender. In Christ, racial pride and prejudice do not and should not live here. Jesus broke the wall of hostility. 
That means in Christ, we don't center any one ethnicity. We don't center whiteness. We don't center blackness. We center Christ-likeness in the middle, and everything else revolves around that. Jesus is the sun, the S-U-N, not just the S-O-N, and we're the planets. And we follow to the tune of his beat. Jesus is in the middle. To push past your divisions means that we got to learn how to get uncomfortable. The reason why I say this is because this point is called push past your divisions because becoming one means that we have to break free of our pockets of affinity. We all have pockets where we like to be around the same people, congregate with the people who look like us or live like us, who act like us, who walk like us, who talk like us. And pushing past your divisions means that you got to break free of your comfort areas in order to live uncomfortably. For me, let me I'm not talking about y'all, I'm talking about myself. My pocket of affinity is black male athletes, black men, and more specifically, black male athletes. <laughs> so if you black and you a man, I'm going to find a way to connect with you. Just like, hey, yo, what's up, dog? How you doing, brother? You good? Yeah, man, that's what's up, man. You know what I'm saying? Keep your head up. What Christ has called me is to be a bridge builder. So literally, Jesus is saying, Marcus, your friendship circle, your mentorship circle should not all look like you. That means that your brothers who you invite to your house to have a cookover, half of them should not look like you. That means you got to get out. You got to meet some people. You got to greet some people. Get out your pocket of affinity and love people the way I called you to love. I was like, great. Well, I'll go to the white male athletes then. That's great. That's, you know, they, you know, y'all do that. Hey, get out of athletes. Go to the artisan room. Go to chemistry. Not saying athletes can't be chemistry or art, artisans, but I'm just saying. Push past your pocket of affinity. What is your pocket of affinity you need to push past? Who are the people that you need to be called to? I grew up hood-ish, not like in the hood, but hood-ish, right? Like, I could see it. And a lot of my friends live there. And so being in, in wealthy spaces makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I got imposter syndrome sometimes. I'm like, oh, am I really supposed to be here? Next thing I know, God started calling me to hobnob in country clubs. I'm like, this is awkward. Like, these people make more in, like, six months than I'm making two years. Like, this is weird. Push past your pocket of affinity, Marcus. These people need Jesus too. What's your pocket of affinity? What's the place that you're comfortable that you need to get out of? We all know the place. We all know the, you know, the other side of the tracks is for some people, the upper crest and the nice houses for other people. Push past your divisions. Last thing and I'm done. Last thing and I'm done is that we got to protect the promise. Protect the promise. The rest of verse 28 and 29 says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. In the text, Paul is saying that we are all in, we are all one in Christ Jesus. 
one people in Christ Jesus, one family in Christ Jesus. The promises of God are to create one man, one people out of many nations, out of many ethnicities. This is the promise of God. And all people will be founded through Abraham. And so what Jesus is saying, what Paul is saying here is that if you believe in Jesus, you are now a part of God's family. And not only that, that the promises of Abraham, you get to share in that too. That you no longer have to be a Jew in order to share in the promises of God. That we are all one and a part of God's family. We talked a lot about that last week, so I won't go too much into it. We are all one. We get to share in the promises of God. But what Paul is also saying here is that unity or oneness does not mean uniformity. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is where it gets good. To be like Jesus don't mean we all got to look the same, walk the same, and act the same. No, there's unity within our diversity. What Jesus does is he eliminates our hostility but he keeps our uniqueness <laughs> he takes the hostility that we might have but based on our gender based on our socioeconomic status based upon our racial ethnicity differences he eliminates that hostility but he keeps your uniqueness tim keller says it this way he says we take everything in our culture that's god glorifying god exalting and we uplift that from the bad and we cut it away and we join it to the tapestry of god's global community and we weave it together and at the end it's my culture your culture everybody else's culture and it's a tapestry it's a blanket of oneness called the family of god the promise of god is to create one man but what Christ does is he leaves our uniqueness, uniqueness, but unites us and joins us together in him. He takes the good and cuts it away from the bad. Says, yeah, we're going to all be in this together. It's the beauty of the gospel. Beauty of the gospel. Remember, as 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14 says, that we are many different bodies, but we're many different parts, but one body. The hand can't say to the eye that I don't need have need of you. And, and because you're most significant that oh, I'm the whole body be eyes. Whoa, whoa, hold on. Like a body full of eyes. How do you walk? <laughs> our job here and the reason why this point is called protect the promise is because our job as believers is to protect the promise. That if the promise is that we would be united in Christ that we would be one in Christ. That means we live for this, we die for this, we fight for this, we strive for this until Jesus comes back. Oh, okay, 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 okay. That, that would that would have been a, a part where you're like, oh, you know, the, the athletes are like, oh, yeah, that's good. Um, what am I saying here? Is that our job as believers is to protect the promise. That means Ephesians 4, 3 comes into this place. That means we make every effort to keep our unity, regardless what the world says, regardless what society says, regardless what our families say, regardless what our culture says. We strive, we fight, we push, we press, we mark every step until we look like what God called us to be. Unity. 
is a promise, and our job is to protect the promise. I was an offensive lineman. My job was to make sure nobody touches my quarterback. And this protect the promise reminds me of being an offensive lineman. That society is here, oneness is back here, and regardless of what society says, I can't let you get to my promise. We fight for unity, family. This is the one thing we fight for. We fight to stay together. And I believe if we can fight well here, you'll fight well in your family to stay together. You'll fight well in your marriages to stay together. You'll fight well within yourself to stay together. Family, we got to protect the promise. We got to protect the promise. We got to preserve our oneness. As we close, victory is a process. Christ died to make us one. Our job as believers is to stay one. Christ died to make us one. Our job in the process is to remain one. Victory, my charge to you today is to stay submitted to the process. Become one people. Look at everybody who's around you, who you know in your small group. Right here, you're a part of my family. And I view you no different. Victory, I charge you to put on Christ. Push past your divisions. And protect the promise and become one family. The reality of this is, is that, yes, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But we get to do this. (laughs) We get to do this. We don't have to. We get to. And it's our job. This is our chore. Jesus started it. It's our job to complete it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this moment. God, we pray and we ask that you would help us, help us to live out this promise and live in this promise. Even as the worship team is coming, God, I pray, Lord God, that we would put on Christ, that we would push past our divisions, that we would protect the promise of oneness. Jesus, you died to bring us here. God, let us not leave here. Head still bowed, eyes still closed. For some of you on today, as you heard about what Jesus died for, you recognize that, yo, I, I didn't believe in this Jesus. I didn't know that he died for me and, and died to bring people together. I never heard this message, and I want to get to know this Jesus. I want to get to know him. I want to I I I follow this Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. That's you, raise your hand. Second call is this, is that for some of you, like, you know what, Marcus, I recognize that I participated in this hostility. As you talked about pushing past our divisions and protecting the promise, I, I've been comfortable being divided. I've been comfortable just letting the promise go to waste. But on today, I want to get that right, and I want you to pray for me. 
that I will look at more at what keeps us together than more than what keeps us separate. That 2020 was a hard year. And that it was easy for me to, to shrink back from the oneness that you were calling me to. If that's you on today, raise your hand. If you're just like, man, I just, I just want you to pray for me. I want you to pray with me that I will protect the promise. Amen. I see those hands. Amen. I see those hands. I see those hands. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. God, for those who, who've given their lives to you. God, I pray that they would experience the fullness of your peace, the fullness of your joy, the fullness of your presence. That this moment would turn into a movement in their life. God, secondly, I pray for those of us who, are, who have grown weary and well-doing. Instead of seeking refuge in you, we sought, we, we, seek in re, we, we sought out refuge in other places. That it was easy for us to stay divided than to become one. It was easy for us to not protect the promise, but let the promise go unprotected. God, I pray we repent on today. I, myself, Marcus Anderson, repent on today. That I've allowed what kept me from loving my brother to keep me there. God, I pray that we would no longer be held hostage by our divisions on today. That we would no longer be comfortable being separate. But just as you reconciled or fixed our relationship with you, God, I pray that we would fix our relationship with other people. And that we would dive deep. That we would get uncomfortable. Because we know that you got God uncomfortable for us on the cross. So much so that when you were in the garden and and, and you were agonizing over your decision to lay your life down. You started to create a new medical condition where we, you started to sweat blood. And then not only that, you were beaten and, 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 and tormented all night. And not only that, you were whipped 39, miles, 39 times with the cat of nine tails. And then you were carried your cross up to the mountain. And then you sat there with, your, with, with starvation and dehydration. And, and you stayed on the cross and said, you know what? I'm going to continue to be here. God, why have you left me? And you died on the cross. God, I pray that we would do the same. When people look at us different, our family don't understand why we're here, that we would get uncomfortable because you got uncomfortable for us. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen.